0: Let's join the worship center at Life Church, where the service is already in progress. We're going to take a few weeks, and we're going to study the history and the biblical account of the year before Jesus's birth, all the way up to the first two years of his life. Because we're talking in this parable series about how um, God, Jesus told these stories while he was on this earth. But we're going to look for the next few weeks about the greatest story ever told, when our Savior was born. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to dig in deep and study out the year before Jesus' birth and the first two years of his life. And I'm sure some of you by now have picked up a copy of the notes and you're flipping out a little because you see, you got six pages. Well, um, I I see Mr. James back there shaking his head, oh Lord, (laughs) not going to make it by lunch today. Now I'm thinking that these six pages might take us two weeks. So y'all just hang on. But I wanted you to have the whole first year before he was born. What this covers, the six pages that you have, covers the first year before Jesus' birth. And if we dig in real deep to the beginnings of Jesus on this earth, we can see God's miraculous timing, the way that he planned out everything so intricately, even before the foundations of the earth, even before Genesis 1, when he said, let there be light, and, and even before his spirit hovered over the face of the waters, God had a plan. He had a purpose, he had a destiny for all of us, and he had a plan for Jesus. And he knew before the foundations of the earth that man would mess up and we would need a Savior. And so if we study out the first three years, the year before and the first two years of Jesus' life and we look at what the Bible has to say about it in the Old and New Testament because remember last week we talked about how as disciples of Jesus we're supposed to bring the old and the new together we looked at the parable where where we brought the old treasures of the house and the new treasures of the house as the householder and so we're going to look at the Old Testament and the New Testament to see exactly what happened in Jesus' life in the beginning and we will be able to see how God had everything Thing planned to the minutest of detail, if minutest is a word. If it's not, we're just going to make it up and go with it. Just follow me. And um, we'll see that he even cared about when the crops were ripe that year. That's how particular God is about his plan. That's how particular he is about the creation. Everything from Genesis to Revelation revolves around God's appointed times. And so we're going to look at the life of Jesus and dig in deep to his story and see that God cares about us so much that he has so detailed out his plan for the world and that he knew that Jesus would be here on this earth and that we would need him. And he wanted every single thing in and on this earth to point us back to him, our creator and our God. So God's ways and his time is always better than our time. And you might be wondering why these notes are so long. It's because I put a lot more explanation in it. So you could take it home this week and read through it and study it. It's not just scripture. Normally I just throw, put some scripture down on the sheet and we talk about them. But I wanted you to really be able to dig in deep. So we wrote out a lot more this week than normal. But God's time is always better than our time. And to first understand how Jesus was born, we have to look at the story of John the Baptist. We have to dig into the story of John the Baptist the year before Jesus' birth to see that God had a specific time and a specific plan. And that other people, God used other people to be signs and wonders and play a part in his plan. So... The John the baptizer is a great story that can happen if we have patience and faith and wait on God. We're going to see how these, Zachariah and Elizabeth waited on God for his appointed time and his appointed season for John to be born. And in the beginning of the story of Luke, Zechariah and Elizabeth are very, very old. See, Luke, when he first sets out to write the accounts of Jesus, he said in the beginning, if you read the beginning of chapter 1, that he wanted to write the most accurate and detailed account of the life of Jesus. And so Luke thought it important to start with the story of Zechariah. Why? Because it fulfilled some promises and some prophecies in the Old Testament. And we're going to see that in a little bit. And so Luke started way back with Zachariah even before Jesus was born. And Zachariah and Elizabeth were barren. Uh they couldn't they hadn't had any children and they were older in age. But they kept their faith in God. They sought God's kingdom first. We'll see that Zechariah was a priest in the temple. And they put God above everything. They kept his his commandments. They lived to make him look good. And they were blameless before God because of their faith. And when we open up the book of Luke, and we're going to read a lot of the portions of Luke chapter 1, we're going to see that Zechariah was going to burn incense in the holy place because he was a priest. And all the Levites were dedicated to temple service. But only the sons of Aaron served as priests and presented offerings. And Zachariah was one of these people. They were the only ones allowed to go into the holy place. You know, you've heard of the people talk and you've heard my dad tell, um, teach about the outlying of the temple and how there was the outer courts and the inner courts in the holy place and all the different things in the temple. Well, the, the Levites, the sons of Aaron, were the only ones that could go into the holy place. And because they had so many sons of Aaron. Aaron was having lots of sons. He had a big lineage. They had so many priests and not enough jobs. And so it just so happened that it was Zachariah's turn. To go and burn the incense. Because he wouldn't normally do that because it just, it just went, we'll see how God divided it up and how they divided it up so everybody got a turn. You know, it's like when you're in daycare. Everybody take a turn with the ball now. So the priests were all taking turns. And this was Zechariah's turn to go to the temple. And God knew that Zechariah was going to be in that temple that day. And he knew that he was going to be, his family was going to be a sign and a wonder for the birth of Jesus. So according to God's timing, Zachariah is here for a specific time in a specific place. And you know what? You and I are here right now for a specific time, in a specific place, to do specific things for God. You all know that I was born 17 years after my parents got married. Had I been born... Oh, Lord, let me not add that up. (laughs) 17 plus 33, and we're going to take a drink of something real quick. That's a lot of years. Yes, 40. Woo! But I'm not. I'm 33. So, God has a specific time. Had I been born at any other point in my parents' marriage any earlier... I might not be doing the things that I'm doing today. I might not have had the same experiences that I'm having today. I might not be here standing in front of you like I am today. We might not even know each other. God knows the end from the beginning. And He loves us so much that He detailed, coordinates and most carefully plans out the times and the seasons. And so here, let's read Luke chapter 1 to see what happened with Zechariah and why he's important to the birth of Jesus. So let's look at Luke chapter 1 verse 1. It seemed good and desirable to me. This is Luke talking because he wrote the book of Luke. And so I've determined also after having searched out diligently and followed all things closely and traced out accurately, the course from the highest to the minutest detail from the very first to write an orderly account for you most excellent Theophilus. So he's writing to Theophilus. My purpose is that you may know the full truth and understand with certainty and security against the error, against error, the accounts, histories, and doctrine of faith which you have been informed and in which you have been orally instructed. So here we go. He's saying, listen, I'm trying to give the most accurate, detailed account possible of what happened. In the days when Herod was king of Judah, there was Judea. There was a certain priest whose name was Zachariah of the daily service of the division of Abiah. I think I pronounced that right. I'll have to look at my pronunciation in a minute. And his and that section is important. We'll come back to that in a little bit. That's how Zachariah got to be there on that specific day at the temple. And his wife was also a descendant of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. So they were living to make God look good. They were following his commands. They were doing every single thing that God had asked them to do. But they had no children, for Elizabeth was barren. And both were far in advanced years. Now while on duty, serving as priest before God in the order of his division, that's important, that's how he got there on that specific time to burn the incense. As was the custom of the priesthood, it fell on him by lot, Meaning, you know, they flipped a coin, that they cast lots, we would flip a coin, to enter the sanctuary of the temple of the Lord to burn incense. And if you want to study that out, you can look at Exodus 30 to see how all that went down. And the throng of people were praying outside in the court at the hour of the incense burning, because they were all there for one of the major feast days. They were all there um, at an appointed time by God. And so there were a bunch of people at the temple. It was busy. It was really busy. So, there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. So, here's Zechariah burning the incense at the altar, just like a normal priestly duty, and then all of a sudden, an angel shows up in the Holy of Holies. Now, that was not probably an everyday occurrence for you to be burning incense at the altar, and all of a sudden in the Holy of Holies, an angel appear right beside you. So, the angel um appeared to him while at his right side at, of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled, and fear took possession of him. So I, I might be a little troubled too if an angel appeared right beside me. And the angel said to him, "'Don't be afraid, Zachariah, "'because your petition was heard, "'and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, "'and you must call his name John. "'God is favorable. "'And you shall have joy.'" and exult delight, and many will rejoice over his birth. Why? Because he is the forerunner of Jesus. We've always heard John called the forerunner of Jesus. He was preparing the way for the Lord. John is important to the birth of Jesus. Because without his birth, we don't fulfill a prophecy given in the Old Testament that we'll find in a little bit. So, he said... um, uh, he, he will, you have joy and exultant delight, and many will rejoice over his birth, for he will be great and distinguished in the sight of the Lord. And he must drink no wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with and controlled by the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. He will turn back and cause to return many of the sons of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will himself go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. That's important because that statement right there, that fulfills a prophecy set in motion way back in the Old Testament to turn back the hearts and the fathers of the children. And to the disobedient and and unpersuadable to the wisdom of the upright, which is the knowledge and holy love and the will of God, in order to make ready for the Lord a people perfectly prepared in spirit, adjusted and disposed and placed at the right moral state. So he's there to prepare the way of the Lord in the spirit of Elijah. And Zechariah said to the angel, By what shall I know? And be sure of this. You know, you're telling me all this. What's the sign that I'm going to know that he really is the forerunner of, of Jesus, that he really is, you know, the fulfillment of the prophecy? Because a long time had passed from the Old Testament. In between the Old Testament and New Testament, there's a 500-year gap. So a lot of time has passed. And so what? Shall, how can I be sure of this? For I'm an old man. And my wife is advanced in years. Notice he didn't call her old. He knew better. She said, she's advanced in years. <laughs> I'm old and she's advanced. Husband's taking up. No, I'm just playing. You know, we're, we're kind of old. We're getting on up in years. We're not supposed to be having these kids right now. It's past our time for children. And the angel replied to him, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God and I've been sent to talk to you and bring you this good news. All of these little sections of scripture that are in parentheses, I challenge you to study them out this, this week so you can see how the Old and the New Testament correlate. We're going to dig in deep, but we don't have time to dig into the full depth of all the prophecies that Jesus' birth fulfilled in the Old Testament. So I encourage you to study these out. Now behold, you will be and continue to be silent and not able to speak till the day when these things take place. Because you've not believed what I told you, but my words are, are of a kind which will be fulfilled in the appointed and proper time. So what's the sign? You can't speak for the next nine months. There's a sign for you. Goodness. I'd hate to not be able to speak for the next nine months. My husband's grinning, but I'm not going to say nothing right there, because I use a lot of words. He did make me a word, you know, and so I use a lot of words, so you won't be able to speak for uh, till the prophecy's fulfilled at the appointed and proper time. Now, the people kept waiting for Zachariah, and they wondered why he was so long in the Holy of Holies, because this burning of incense shouldn't be taken this long. What is going on? What is happening in the Holy of Holies? And I'm sure they began to wonder if he was doing something wrong, because, you know, if a priest went in, and, and, they, didn't have, and they didn't have things right, and, and they weren't doing exactly what they were supposed to be doing, they would fall dead in the Holy of Holies. They couldn't stand in the presence of God. And so they were beginning to wonder, what's happening to Zechariah? Why is he so long in there? But when he did come out, he was unable to speak to them. Can you imagine that? You're have you sitting here going about your your daily priestly duty. You're in there burning incense. Now, this is a big deal for him. This is a big honor, as we'll see in a minute when we find out exactly how Zechariah got to the temple that day. And so you're in there doing... the the incense before God, burning it, and all of a sudden an angel appears and says, you know, you may be old, but you're about to have a baby boy. You better name him John. And you're like, well, how am I going to be doing this, man My wife are old. And he said, well, here's your sign. You're not going to be able to talk for the next nine months. And then you kind of walk out of the temple and you can't speak to anyone. But when he did come out, he was unable to speak to them. And they clearly perceived that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. And he kept making signs to them. Still he remained dumb, unable to speak. And when his time of performing priestly functions was ended... He returned to his own house. Now, after his wife Elizabeth became pregnant, and for five months she secluded herself entirely, saying, I have hid myself, because thus the Lord has dealt with me in these days, when he designed to look on me to take away reproach, reproach from among men. So, here's the here's the deal. Zacharias in the temple. He comes out unable to speak. He goes home, and he can't even tell his wife what's about to happen. You know, I guess he can use sign language to say, hey, baby is coming, (laughs) you know. But this is unusual circumstances. Why? Because God wanted it to be a sign to Mary. We'll find that out later. But before we can even see the miracle of John the Baptist, John the baptizer being born, we have to look to the miracle of the timing of God. Because it's a miracle in and of itself that Zachariah was in the temple that day burning incense on the feast of Pentecost. And we gotta realize what kind of miracle this is. And to do that, we have to look at God's calendar. Because His calendar, it's different than our calendar. We think, January, February, March, April, May, June, July, and August. And we got a little song that we sing and we learn our months of the year. And all the months have either 30, 31 days. February is the weirdo. It's got 28 sometimes. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's the odd guy in the bunch. But God's calendar, the way He designed it in the Old Testament, it's a lot different than our calendar. And so to see what a miracle Zachariah being there was, we need to look and understand God's calendar. God set things up from the beginning so that we would rely on Him. He set it up in the Garden of Eden so that we would want a relationship with Him, fellowship with Him, communion with Him. He wanted us to look to Him for everything. In the Garden of Eden, He provided them shelter. He provided them food. He provided them everything that he need, they needed to be successful. Even from the beginning, God wanted us to rely on Him. And so when He set up His calendar system, why wouldn't it be relying on God? So it doesn't go by certain months of the year and certain days of the week. The way God's calendar goes in the Old Testament, it goes by the moons and the barley harvest. And I know that might sound a little different. It's a lot different. Remember, God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And so he does things different. He wants us to rely on him for the times and seasons. So we're going to do like an airplane flyby of how God's calendar looks, just so you have an idea. And in the coming year, we hope to teach more on, on God's appointed times and his seasons and how all of this fits together in God's plan for the entire world. So, for us to do that, we have to look in Exodus when he set up the first calendar. In Exodus chapter 12... Verses 1 and 2, The Lord said to Moses and to Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be to you the beginning of months, the first month of the year to you. So here he's telling Moses and Aaron, they're getting ready to have the Passover. They're getting ready to leave Egypt. They're getting ready to venture out on their own, out of the land of Egypt. And God is saying, This month is the beginning of months. And it was the very first Passover. Um, God, God gave commands for the very first Passover. You know, you put the blood on the on the doorpost, and we don't have time to get into how all of that works. Um, but you can study it out in Exodus. And this was the very first one, and the, uh, the it happens in the first month of every Jewish year, of every year in the in the people who um, follow God. His chosen people, the people of Israel, every first month of the new year, they celebrate Passover. And so God gave instructions for the feast of Passover and unleavened bread. And the, the days, they don't revolve around like one, two, three, four, five. They revolve around the moon cycle. The new moon starts a new month. Every new moon starts a new month. So how many ever days it takes to get to the new moon? That's when the new month starts. I can tell you, some of us would be lost if we were trying to plan something. We're like, well, the moon looks like it's a little bit of... No. But they worked off of the moon. A new moon equaled a new month. Again, God is trying to point man to look to him for Everything. Look to His creation. Look to how He set the world in motion for everything. Look to God. Everything that God does points us back to Him. And the first month of the year, they call the Abib. And if you study the meaning of the definition of Abib, it means barley's ripe. Well, why in the world would God want us to name the first month of the year the barley's ripe? Well, because the barley has to be ripe for a new year to start. See how God is constantly pointing us back to him? He, The crops being ripe, the barley being ripe, points us back to God. We need God to provide the rain. We need God to provide the the plants growing so that we would know when the new year was supposed to start. At the end of the twelfth month, the priest would go out and look at the barley fields to see if they were ripe. This is how they decided when a new year would start. They didn't have January 31st, or January, December 31st and then January 1st. They would go out and check the barley. And if the barley was ripe when the priest went out to check it, the next new moon was the new year. And if the barley wasn't ripe, at the end of the 12th month when a new moon started, they would add a 13 month to the calendar. And this seems really odd to us, but again, God wants us to rely on him. He wanted them to fully rely on him for everything. Even what month of the year it was, God wanted us to rely on him. So, it's so important for the barley, that's why the new month is called, the new year, the first month is called Abib because the barley has to be ripe for the new year to start. Because the priest took the barley and presented it as a wave offering on the day of first fruits, which is in the middle of the first month of the year. So we have to have the barley ripe in order for the year for the, the day of firstfruits to happen and the wave offering to happen before the Lord. And we can study this out in the Old Testament. We're going to read a couple of verses of Scripture that point you back to it. But again, we will see once we know God's calendar, what an awesome miracle it is that Zechariah is there at the appointed time Time of the Feast of Pentecost so that John can be the forerunner of Jesus and be six months. I mean, the timing of God is incredible. In Exodus 34, 18... The feast of unleavened bread you shall keep. Seven days you'll eat unleavened bread as I command you at the time of the month of the Abib. For in the month of the Abib you shall come, at, you came out of Egypt. So the month of the Abib is to remind the children of Israel that they got delivered from Egypt. Leviticus 23, 10 and 11. Tell the Israelites, When you have come into the land which I give you and reap its harvest, you bring a sheaf of the first fruits for your harvest to the priest. And he waves the sheaf before the Lord that you may be accepted. On the next day after the Sabbath, the priest will wave it before the Lord. So what does this have to do with Zachariah? Why do we have to study this to, to, um, to, to know what this has to do with the birth of Jesus? Why are we talking about calendars? There are so many priests in the days of Zechariah and so few jobs in the temple. So God commanded the priests to be divided up into groups or courses. The Bible calls them courses or divisions, depending on what translation you look at. So in Luke 1.5, when we read it earlier, it says, In the days when Herod was king of Judea, there was a certain priest whose name was Zechariah of the service of the division of the course of Abia." And his wife was a descendant of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. So he was in the group of Abia. And again, we got to go back to the Old Testament to see why this is important. So in First Chronicles, God set the divisions in order. Chapter 24, verses 5 and 10. Thus were they divided by lot, one group with another. For there were chiefs of the sanctuary and chiefs of God, high priests drawn to the sons of Eleazar from the sons of Idmar, And verse 10 says, the seventh to, he- oh Lord, Hakoz." He- that's how we're going to go with that, and the eighth to Abia. And so Zechariah, was a descendant of Abia. That's how he got in that group. He was in the eighth course, and there were 24 courses total. And each course served one week in the temple twice a year. And then all the priests got together for the three major feast days on God's calendar. The courses would begin at the beginning of Sabbath, which is Saturday, what we know as Saturday, and conclude at the end of the following Sabbath. And the first course will begin on the first Sabbath of the year, which is the month of Abib, to commemorate Exodus. I know we're talking about a lot of information. That's why I wanted to write it out in detail so you could look over it this week and study it out just to see how cool God is. That's why we're taking a look at this to see how awesome God is and how perfect His timing is. And if God's timing is so perfect that He would orchestrate this for the coming of the Son of God, how much more is His timing perfect for you and I? God loves us. And he has perfect times and seasons for our life. And he has a plan for us. And if we look at how detailed God was in the Bible, we can know that he's even so detailed about our life. And our daily situations. That's why we don't have to be concerned about what we're going to eat or drink or or where the next whatever is going to come from. Because we can fully rely on God if we fully trust Him. He He will be there with us and for us. He will guide us and direct us into His path if we will follow His commands and lean on Him. God has orchestrated everything so perfectly. And if we will fall in line with his perfect orchestration, then our lives will follow that pattern of God's appointed times and seasons. And we can truly live to make him look good and follow out his plan for our life. That's why going back and studying this history is so important. So we can just see how cool God is and how much he cares about us, that he even planned when the barley would be ripe. That was important to when Zechariah would be at the temple because his division came up according to when the barley was ripe because the first course started in the first month of the Abib. And there were 24 courses. And we know from verse 10 of Luke 1 that the eighth course began around the Feast of Pentecost during the year before Jesus' birth. And all the people were assembled and commanded by God. So the day of the first fruits was the second. The second course would start, and it would go on until they worked through all the courses. So if we count seven sabbaths or Saturdays from the day of first fruits, then it's Pentecost, and then Zechariah was at the temple. Leviticus twenty-three verses fifteen and sixteen says, "You shall count from the day after the Sabbath, from the day you brought the sheaf and the wave offering, the day of first fruits, seven sabbaths." Seven full weeks they shall be. Count 50 days after each of the seventh Sabbath, and you present a cereal offering of new grain by the Lord. Um, In verse 21 says, You make a proclamation the same day, summoning a holy assembly, and you do no work that day. It will be a salute forever in all your dwellings throughout generations. So that's how we get to the day of Pentecost when Zechariah is at the temple. So what does this have to do with Jesus' birth? Why do we need to talk about moons and the month of the Abib? Why is this important? We'll see later on in our story that Elizabeth being pregnant with John is a sign to Mary that she's in the divine will of God to have Jesus. Her being pregnant, Elizabeth being pregnant, is the sign that the angel tells Mary that she should look for. If you really want to know that you got Jesus in your womb, the sign is your barren cousin is pregnant. What a sign. Somebody that wasn't able to have kids suddenly is pregnant? That's how you're going to know that you're carrying Jesus. That's why Luke began with the story of Zechariah, because it fulfills some Old Testament prophecies about John the baptizer, but it also is the sign to Mary that she's in the divine will of God. If you study the whole Bible out, Jesus' entire life revolves around God's calendar. And God had such a particular plan. He knew what day that the barley would need to be ripe to start the new year so that his course would be on the day of Pentecost so that he and the lot would be cast, the coin would be flipped, and Zechariah would be standing in the most holy place burning the incense to receive the word from the Lord that they were chosen to have the forerunner of Jesus, the person that prepared the way of the Lord. And then he can't talk for nine months about it. They were so faithful to God. And you know, I'm sure people thought that Zechariah had done something wrong because he came out of the temple and couldn't talk. I mean, what do you think would happen if you left church this morning and you couldn't speak and you couldn't talk to anybody? I mean, people would be like, what happened to you? It'll be like Job when his friends got around him and said, what sin did you commit to land yourself in this mess? And I'm sure that because Elizabeth was barren, they thought that even, even worse things were going on because in Deuteronomy 7.14, God gives a promise that you'll be blessed above all people. They'll not be male or female barren among you or among your cattle. And so they were supposed to be fruitful and multiply, but they haven't been able to have children. And now Zechariah can't talk. And what in the world is going on in their life? So... Zachariah goes home, Elizabeth conceives, hides out for five months, and becomes Mary's son for the miracle of Jesus' birth. Can you imagine the confidence boost that that gave Mary when the angel of the Lord appeared to her, and as we'll read here in a minute in the first chapter of Luke, and said, you're going to bear the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And just so you know, I'm telling you the truth. Go talk to Elizabeth, because she's in her sixth month of pregnancy. And then when Mary sees Elizabeth, and she can tell she's in her... Because when you're in your sixth month, you can tell there's some signs... And so Mary looks at Elizabeth, and it's confirmed to her that she is carrying Jesus. Let's look at Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now the sixth month after that, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee named Nazareth to a girl never having been married, a virgin. She was engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, a descendant of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Hail, a favored one, endued with grace. The Lord is with you. Blessed and favored of God are you before all other women. But when she saw him, she was greatly troubled and disturbed and confused at what he said and kept revolving in her mind, What could such a greeting mean? The angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found grace with God. And listen you will become pregnant and will give birth to a son you shall call his name Jesus he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high god and the lord will give to him the throne of his forefather david and he will reign over the house of jacob throughout the ages and his reign of his reign there will be no end and mary said to the angel how can this be i have no husband The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And the holy, pure, sinless offspring which will be born of you will be called the Son of God. And listen, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And is now in the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing is ever impossible. Aren't you glad of that? With God, if you're in his plan and you're following his path for your life, nothing is ever impossible. And no word from God shall be without power, impossible of fulfillment. Then Mary said, behold, the handmaiden of the Lord, let it be done to me according to what you've said. And then the angel left, What an encounter for Mary. The angel arrived and said, You're going to conceive the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You will be with child. You will call his name Jesus. And he will save the people of their sin. And Mary arose. And she did the same thing I would do right after the angel left. She went to find Elizabeth. Because she wanted to see, is this really an angel? Was this a bad dream? And, and is this, Am I really going to have the Son of God? Am I really with child? She arose and went to find um, Elizabeth. And when she went to the house of Zechariah and entering it, saluted Elizabeth. And it occurred when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with with and controlled by the holy spirit and she cried out with a loud cry and exclaimed blessed favored of god above all other women are you and blessed is the fruit of your womb and how um how have i deserved this great honor be granted unto me that the mother of my lord should come to me For behold, in the instant, in the sound of your salutation, when it reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed and happy is she who believed that there would be fulfillment of the things that were spoken to her from the Lord. So they're there praising God because they both know that they are in God's divine plan. That they are walking out everything that God's telling them to do. And that that change is coming to the entire world through both of them, through both of their pregnancies. John, the forerunner of Jesus, fulfilling all the prophecies of old that a man would come in the spirit of Elijah. And Jesus, the Savior of the world, born of a virgin, to be our Redeemer, our buyer back from all the things that we've done, our price that was paid for salvation and redemption of sin. So they were praising God. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed and declare me happy and to be envied. For he who is almighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him with godly reverence. From generation to generation and age to age. He has shown strength and made might with his arm. And he has scattered the proud and the haughty. In and by the imagination and purpose and designs of their hearts. He's put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of low degree. He's filled and satisfied the hunger with with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty handed without a gift. He's laid Hold on his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, even as he has promised to our forefathers, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. And Mary remained with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned to her own home. So they were praising God. Because they knew the prophecies of old. They knew that the Savior was to come. And they were beginning to realize that it was coming through them. That the prophecies were being fulfilled through them. They weren't anything particular. I mean, they weren't, they weren't big names in the nation. They were normal people. And God wants to use us to do things for Him. Normal people to do His work. God's timing is perfect. And these events were put into place before God ever said, let there be, in Genesis. Israel was looking for this day constantly. They had been told that the Messiah was coming. They had been told that Jesus was soon to arrive on the scene. They had been told from times of old that one was coming. The Savior of the world was coming. That the Messiah was coming. That that there would be a man coming before him in the spirit of Elijah Before the day of the Lord. And from the time of the prophecy, even until this day, they, every time at Passover, they look for Elijah. Why is John the fulfillment? Because he would come in the spirit of Elijah according to Luke. And John was born at Passover. Malachi 4.5 Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and terrible day of the Lord. And then Luke 1.17 He will himself go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah and turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children in order to make ready the, for the Lord a people. So every year during the Passover dinner a kid goes to open the door for Elijah And while the kid is gone to open the door, an elder takes wine and sprinkles it on the place setting for Elijah. They do this every year at Passover. They still do it today. And when the child returns to tell everyone that Elijah didn't show up, the elder says, He came, but we were asleep. And that's truly what happened. John the baptizer, John the baptist came, and not very many people were attuned to God's perfect timing, and not very many people knew that he was the forerunner that came in the spirit of Elijah. So, John was conceived after the eighth course on the day of Pentecost. So that would put him a little over two months at the beginning of the new year according to God's calendar. A full-term pregnancy is 40 weeks or around 10 months. And so if you take in, like, when everything happened, the moons and all that um, different things in the Sabbath, you can see that John would have been born around Passover. Can you imagine Zechariah and Elizabeth's joy? That after all these years of not being able to have children, after all these years of being barren, When they, it finally comes their time. When Zechariah goes to burn the incense and he finds out that he's finally going to be a dad. Not only is he going to be a dad, but he's going to be the father of the forerunner of Jesus. This is such an incredible time in history. And it's so important that we start with Zechariah to know that God has appointed times and seasons. And we, as believers, need to get in line with God's appointed times and seasons because that's how the whole entire earth revolves. It revolves around God's plan and His purpose. And by digging out and studying the Scriptures and digging in deep, I know this is this is probably deeper than we've ever gone collectively into the story of Jesus' birth, studying the year before and the first two years of His life. But it's so important as we remember the time that Jesus came on the scene, that we look and see how much God cared about it, that he would orchestrate even when the barley was going to be ripe that year. God loves us, and he has a plan for us. And he had a plan, just like he had a plan for Jesus, and he orchestrated it so carefully. God orchestrates our lives so carefully if we will come in line with his plan and his purpose. Remember, we've been talking about um, for really the past year how many times we try to line up God with our life, but really us getting in his times, his seasons, his plan, his commands, we must come in line with His Word. God has an appointed time for you. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. And when we dig into the Word of God, we begin to see how intricate and how awesome God's timing and His plans are. Let's stand. God, we thank you for your appointed time. Thank you for joining us today. We would love to hear from you. You can write to us at Post Office Box 1004. That's P.O. Box 1004, Monticello, Arkansas, 71657. Or you can email us at lci.monticello at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. You can also check out our website. It's www.getlife.co. That's www.getlife.co. There you can find Pastor Kelly and Pastor Josh's sermon notes and you can see what's going on all through the week at Life Church. We would love to have you in one of our services with us. Join us Sunday morning at 10:30 a.m. for a worship service. Pastor Kelly ministers and it's a great time in the presence of God. Or you can join us for Digging Deep on Tuesday nights at 6.30 p.m. Pastor Josh digs into the Word of God, connecting the Old Testament with the New Testament and giving us a fresh biblical perspective from God's point of view. We hope that you have a great week this week. Remember, go live to make God look good. God bless you till we're with you again.